um, I was weighing up just what to speak on today, and I felt the Lord dropped into my thoughts as just the sort of um, sound of rain. So I want to speak on faith and prayer, and I want to stir us because there's nothing happens without prayer undergirding it. And I realized as I've gone and looked in different churches, everywhere we see great moves of God, you find underneath it there are people praying. And they gather and they pray and they pray and they hold on in prayer, believing that somehow God will come through. So I want to share with you just out of a couple of places in the Bible. First, just go look in Luke 18. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men ought always pray and not faint. Always pray and not lose heart. And he said there was a certain judge, a city, a judge who didn't fear God nor regard man. So he's an ungodly man. And there was a widow in the city, and she came to him and said, Give me justice over my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, Well, I don't fear God or even care about people. But this widow, man, she just keeps bugging me. She just won't quit. And so I will give her justice, lest by her continued coming, she wears me out. And then the Lord said, hear what the unjust said. So you got this picture now. Now what God is saying, he's using a picture to raise a point. And the point he's trying to make is this, prayer is important. And never quit praying. Don't give up when you don't get a breakthrough straight away. And so he uses the story of an unjust judge. And the unjust judge, the ungodly man, doesn't care about anyone, just cares about himself. But this widow just will not quit. She just will not quit. Just keeps Adam and Adam and Adam and Adam. And he said, man, I'm just going to be worn out with this lady. I'm going to give her what she wants. So he gave her the justice. Now God says this. He said, well, he said, if the unjust man would do that, how much more will God who's just bring justice for his people? who cry out for him day and night. So notice, persevering prayer. He said, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? So Jesus' exhortation is that we need to be people of prayer. Prayer, not only is his first point, his first purpose is to bring intimacy with God, to bring us near to him so we enjoy Him, and hear His voice. So in our prayer life, there should be a powerful prayer that breaks open hard heavens and brings us into the presence of God in such a way we can commune with Him and hear His voice. There's no relationship as satisfying if it's not two-way. So one of the things that helps is when you've learned to build strong prayer, strong praise, strong praying in tongues, Learn how to wait on Him and worship Him and, and listen for His voice. One of the best ways to do that is through journaling. The second main purpose of prayer is to invoke God to move in impossible circumstances, to bring about the hand of God coming into the earth to shift things in the earth, to bring breakthroughs where people get saved, to bring breakthroughs in finance Breakthroughs in healing, breakthroughs in deliverance, breakthroughs where there are walls and limitations. 
Because God has given man authority for the earth. Therefore, he won't intervene unless man, who is his delegated representative, comes before him and appeals to him to advance his kingdom and advance his will. So God is always waiting for the prayers of his people. Notice here that Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Without faith, we can't please God. We come to God, we must believe he exists, and we believe he will reward us if we are diligent in our pursuing him. Not just a casual little prayer here and there, but when we make diligent pursuit of God with the belief that he will reward us, we will find our life coming into seasons where the reign of God, the blessing of God is on us, and these seasons increase and increase until they become like a river. Your life is a flow of blessing because you're walking with God. And notice what he says, in the last days, will he find faith in the earth? Will he find people who are believing people who pray? He commends the widow for her prayer that wouldn't quit. He commends the widow because she had faith that she would get her prayer answered and she refused to quit when there was a bit of resistance. She refused to give up when it got a bit tough. I remember telling one guy, his whole marriage was a mess. I talked to him about his need to repent of his failure to spiritually lead and stand up and begin to pray. And I showed him how to pray and govern his household in prayer in the Spirit. And I saw him a week later. I said, how's it going? He said, oh, it didn't work. Oh. That's a bit of a shame, isn't it? I said, how come it didn't work? He said, well, everything got worse. I said, really? It all got worse, and you reckon it didn't work? I said, don't you, can't you see that there have been demonic power sitting in your marriage, creating havoc in your relationship, and they've been entrenched for years, and the first time you step up and they go boo to you, you back down? What kind of man are you? I said, you have just discovered that there are hidden spiritual powers making it difficult for you to build a great marriage. And it's your job as the head of the house. Get in there and pray and defeat them. Don't quit up. Just get back into prayer again. Pray and don't quit. Don't quit. Keep praying till you get the breakthrough. So Jesus is saying when, when, the, when he comes, will he find people that are praying? Because the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 24 that in the last days, men will become very offended and betray one another. So one of the things you're going to find increasingly towards the end of the age are offenses and betrayals and injustice. And he said men's heart will grow cold. He's talking about the church. Now, because of what? Because people seem to do wrong and get away with it. So when you open up the papers and you have a look and you start to read what's going on in America and what's going on in the Middle East and what's going on all around, if you feed yourself on that, you'll become angry and full of injustice. But none of that will change anything. What God is looking for is not you're angry about homosexuals and angry about law changes, but are you praying? Are you believing the power of God could shift those circumstances? When he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Didn't say when he comes, will he find people in church? So when he comes, 
would he find faith that expresses itself through strong prayer? Hey, will he find it? If he came now, would he find that in you? Now. It won't be any different in the future if it didn't change now. See, where is the curve of your prayer life going? Upward or downward? Is it getting more passionate, more in love with God, or is it trailing off? That really, wherever you are now is okay. It's just where the trend is. So if the trend is towards stronger prayer, growing in intimacy, growing in your relationship, that's a great trend. But if your prayers are intermittent and they're gradually more and more intermittent, the trend is going down, it's getting worse. So really, wherever you are now, I would encourage you today, make a decision. You do something about it. See, so, you notice she persevered. She stuck with it when it seemed like she was getting a no. And Jesus makes it clear two things. Number one, persevering prayer will get results. Persevering prayer will get results. Eventually, you'll get a breakthrough. Secondly, the importance of faith. You must be praying prayers that are filled with faith, filled with confidence that I am praying the will of God. And so to do that, you need to know the will of God. You need to know what God has to say. So rather than be disheartened because a situation is difficult, disheartened because someone's got a bondage in their life or they've got brokenness in their life or disheartened because the marriage isn't working or struggles in the finances, start to find what God has to say about His will. He delights in the prosperity of His servants. Well, that's good. So therefore, I'm going through hardship. I need to pray till there's a breaking through and prosperity comes. And in my praying, I need to find God's will and call it into the earth. That's one of the roles He's given man to work with him in prayer. Now let's have a look over in 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. So prayers become filled with faith when we know they're prayers that are in line with the Word of God. We are calling in the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's not just a matter of praying for all the things you want or would like to have. It's a matter of discovering because your life is consecrated in alignment with God what He wants for you and then persevering. You know, sometimes it takes years to get the breakthrough, but isn't that great when it comes? I've known people prayed for years for a loved one to get saved, but isn't that great? They got saved. You don't worry about the years of prayer. You're just thankful to God they got saved. You got thankful for the breakthrough. We just want to quit too quickly. I just thank God for people who prayed years for me, never gave up, never stopped. I wouldn't have got saved. I'm too entrenched with religion. So 1 Kings chapter 18, and uh, let's have a pick it up in, uh, in verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there's the sound of an abundance of rain. Well, that's interesting. How do you know that? The, cl- the clouds, the sky is clear. There's been no rain for three and a half years. Yet he makes this sound. There is a sound of an abundance of rain. So he's speaking out of a prophetic office saying, you look at the natural circumstances and all you can see is barrenness and death, but I'm hearing in the Spirit from God an abundance of rain in the heavens about to fall. And uh, so he tells them then, uh, here is, there's a ab- sound of an abundance of rain. So you've got to ask yourself, what sound are you hearing? Are you tuned in and listening to the voices of discontent 
of trouble, of difficulty, of hardship, of all the things that are wrong, or you tuned in to listen to what God has to say. Because when you hear what God has to say, there's always abundant rain in heaven. There's always an abundance of blessings. So the Bible speaks about rain, of course. And rain is needed to break a drought. So if you're spiritually dry, what you need is the rain of God. And the church here desperately needs a fresh rain of God. We desperately need a fresh move of God. We need God to pour out His Spirit until you feel the atmosphere thick with His presence and things start to shift in your life. There's nothing like the presence of God. Presence of God is likened to the rain that refreshes the ground. So he said, number one, rain is needed to break the drought. Number two, rain is needed to heal the land. Have a look at places where it's barren and dry. There's been no water. You can't grow anything there. The land just withers up and dries out, becomes brown. There's nothing grows there. Can't sustain life. So the land needs rain. The land of your heart, of your marriage, of your finances, needs the rain, the blessing of God. When God's blessing comes on it, it is just amazing how it all shifts and shifts so very, very quickly. And thirdly, we need the rain of God to produce a harvest. See, it's the movement of the Spirit of God that gets people saved. You can try all you like, and we need to try and work with people and build relationship with them and so kindness, but ultimately prayer is needed to shift the darkness off their life. The Bible says that those who don't believe are blinded by the God of this world. In other words, it's like they've got their head in a dark, smoggy cloud and they can't see. Someone prays. So we've noticed when we've gone to churches now where they're rapidly growing and receiving a harvest, there's quite a number of things they do, and uh, so it's never just one thing. But one thing that keeps coming up everywhere is there is strong, persistent, focused prayer. Strong, persistent, focused prayer. So when I go to churches, and this is great outpouring of God, I know they've been praying. And I begin to ask, oh yeah, well, we were praying uh, every day for six weeks for these people. That's why they're here, and that's why they got saved. The Bible school, oh yeah, well, we've been praying for three weeks and fasting. That's why we've got such a move of God. See, prayer makes room for the the rain of God to come. So the rain is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when God's Spirit starts to come upon you in a fresh outpouring, you have no idea how released you get, how free you get. Of course, the weeds grow as well. Things that are not right in your life spring into sight. That's a chance to repent, get rid of them. Things which have been hidden in the ground pop up, a chance to get rid of them. Uh, when, you, when you get the reign of God, then joy comes. It's, a, it's just God is moving around my life. I feel His presence. As I talk to people, they're responding now. You know, that person I've been praying for, and he's given me such a hard time, suddenly said, yes, I'll come to church. It's like lots of things change with the reign of God. The ground suddenly starts to produce a harvest. We want a harvest without a rain. It doesn't happen. We need the rain. We need the rain. So, there's a, there's a real desperate need for us. Now, notice Elijah heard a sound. In other words, he had two things that made him so confident. Number one, he had prophetic intuition. In other words, through listening to God, he became aware of a shift in the spiritual atmosphere, a shift in season. He was aware that rain was imminent. He said, I can hear the sound of an abundance of rain, not just a little bit. He said, this is a great outpouring of rain. But we know also 
that not only had he got an intuition in his spirit, but he had heard clearly from God. Because in verse 1, God spoke to him in 18.1, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So he had, uh, uh, he had uh, intuition, he had a word from God, he had a clear word from God, he knew exactly what God wanted to do. So have a think about what you're listening to and what you're hearing. Are you hearing what God says He wants to do, or are you hearing about the problems? Are you hearing about the things that are wrong, or are you hearing this is what God wants to do? And if you're hearing what God wants to do, it's not automatically going to happen. When you discover the will of God, it doesn't mean automatically it'll take place. You can know that it's God's will to bless you, and it's very true that it is God's will to bless you, but it doesn't automatically happen. It's God's will to heal people, that doesn't automatically happen either. It's God's will that people be delivered, but that doesn't automatically happen either. It's God's will to bring breakthroughs in your life, it's not automatic that it happens. In other words, there's some part we play in it, and the part that we play is believing prayer. Now notice, he had a clear word from God, I'll send rain. So the first thing he did was he spoke the word that God had given him. I hear in a sound of abundance of rain. Now he's saying that in the drought. What do you think people think of that? See, faith people, people who are in faith, have heard from God and they say, it'll be as God says. So I am holding a confession of faith over my life and situation. One of the ways you build your life with God is you take God's Word and speak it as though it is reality in your life. You begin to declare over your life the life you believe in God for. You build the gifts of the Spirit over your life that way. You build your strength in God that way. We meditate in the Word of God and speak it out. Someone has to speak it out. Your mouth is what releases things into the earth. God had a plan how to build creation. The Spirit of God was brooding. There was a sound. But someone had to speak. And when the Word came forth, that's when heaven started to move. So faith people will always speak a certain way. They pray answers, not problems. They pray solutions, not difficulties. They pray God's Word. I believe it shall be done unto me according to what God says about me. And so there's a strong holding the Word of God. And that you do that over your finances, over your marriage, every area of your life. But notice now, he didn't presume that because God had said it, it would automatically happen. Notice then, it says, he went up the top of the mountain by himself, and then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees, which is almost like in the position of a woman giving birth, crouched down, and he began to pray. And so he poured himself out in prayer. And notice what he did. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed. And he would be declaring God's Word, speaking out the Word of God. We've got the ability, of course, to pray in tongues, so we can really pray. So then he prayed. Then what he did was, let's have a look and see if anything's changed. You do that when you pray for people. Pray for them. Has anything changed? Has it got a little better? Has something happened? Something shifted? No, nothing. He went back to prayer again. Then he sent the guy out again. Well, has anything changed? No, nothing. 
And remember, he's just said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain, and there's not a little bit in the sight. There's no clouds. There's nothing but clear blue sky everywhere as far as the eye sees. Dry ground, dead cattle, clear blue skies. He goes back to prayer again. Comes back, is there any sign of anything yet? Yeah, no, nothing. Well, maybe three times you'd be thinking, oh, well, I've really blundered. I've really messed up. You know, I think we'll just call it a day. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I got the fire bit right, but not the rain, you know. <laughs> but he didn't stop, you see. He held on to what God said. He began to pray again, a fourth time, a fifth time, a sixth time. Imagine at time six if he'd stopped. It was like uh, Naaman the Syrian had to dip in the river seven times. And when you get to the sixth time, you think, oh, this is really crazy. I want to go. See, it's easy to give up when we've prayed and looked and see nothing. But we must persevere. When you know clearly what the will of God is, then you hold that will in prayer and you call forth the will of God and you pray persistently, thanking Him, His will be done. Father, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in this situation. And then, what did He see? Did He see something great? No, He didn't. Most moves of God start with something very little. You'd be amazed. I've been in lots of meetings where there's been big moves of God, and you know what? They always start with something little. They start with one person. One person. One person often is the key for God moving in a meeting. And I've been in lots of meetings. I won't go into the whole flow of spirit dynamics in a meeting, but what I've noticed is we start to pray for a few people, and there's a few prophetic words, and then I'll look, and then I suddenly see God is doing something without me touching a person. He started to move on someone, maybe like laughter. And immediately I'll redirect my attention to what God is doing. What is God on? Do that. And these say, that's what I do. I watch what the Father's doing. I focus on that. And then what I'll do is just work with that a little bit, just pray, increase, the Lord will bless. And then I look for someone else to be open. I've learned this, that you can have a whole half of the room and God's not touching them at all. And you've got one person here and the people around them, God's touching them all. You say, well, that isn't very fair. Why is that? Well, it's because God needs people to be the doorway for him to enter the earth. And the person whose heart is open in faith, that's the person he works through. It's got nothing to do how old you are, young you are, how messy your life is. It's just all about a simple willingness to respond. And there's a certain element of God chooses who that person is, so it offends us. <laughs> Suddenly they come alive, God's touched them, and got a breakthrough. You think, well, how come that happened with them? You know, you know I, I, it should be happening to me. And, uh, and so what happens is we can be offended that God can use someone you didn't expect and start to open up a flow of blessing. But what if that person was you? What if you were the one who prayed and you were the one who believed and the person who opened the door for revival in Hastings was you. How about that? In the area that you're working, suddenly people start to get saved. People start to come to the Lord. The area where you went to school, suddenly people in your class started responding. People say, how come there? How come not over here? I've been praying my best. No, just rejoice on what God is doing and then put resources into it. You look at what God's doing and focus on that. So notice he prayed until finally... There was a breakthrough. I want to share with you just several simple keys on it. Uh, they're very simple. Number one, 
faith. He had revelation of what God wanted. He did know what God wanted. Very clear, God wanted. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe God wants your friends saved? It's not God will that any perish, but all repent. See? So, so he gave himself to prayer. He gave himself to prayer. And we notice here, he got on his knees and prayed. If you look in James 5.16, it says, the effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man releases great power. So the first thing was prayer. Secondly, it was passionate prayer. See, some people pray, they sort of mumble. Passion is the bit you put in. See, you, you can be, you know, you can just appreciate someone or you can really overdo it. But that's the bit you put in. So passion and prayer is the energy you put in. You let yourself, you give yourself to prayer. Like you give yourself to praise and worship. You surrender and yield and then express strongly. You say, well, it's not me. I'm not that kind of person. Well, Jesus apparently was. And we're trying to become like Jesus. He, he prayed strong crying and tears. That's pretty passionate prayer, isn't it? Strong crying and tears. And I think, well, when did you last pray and you had tears? See, it has to do with the level of your engagement and how much it's affecting you as you engage with God. And see, he prayed with strong crying and tears. In his strong praying, he began to feel the heart of God and the burden for people rose in him by the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost helps us. So I found I've given myself to strong worship. Inevitably, I find myself weeping. In other words, the deepest part of your heart become touched when you give yourself completely to something. Not hold back and, I'll just give a little bit. You know, I'll just oh, mumble a little bit and pray a little bit. You, can, you develop it. Now, of course, when you try to pray strong prayer, you'll find within about two minutes you're exhausted. You know what that tells you? Your spiritual capacity is weak. You just haven't practiced. You had a condition. And I notice if, if, I, if, I, if I cut my prayer down, I, I lose fitness altogether. I can't last in a meeting, get tired out. So I can tell straight away when I get into a meeting, I have to pray for a lot of people. I can tell because of the demand it puts on me how much I've been praying, whether I've been praying enough. You run out of energy. So prayer, so passionate prayer, fervent. That word in, uh, means literally energizing prayer, strong prayer, passionate prayer. And it says, now Elijah was an ordinary man with, a, with the same passions as us. In other words, Elijah was just like us. He wasn't something special or anything like that. He had his own struggles. He had his own fears. In fact, when Jezebel went boo at him, he ran away and he hid and said, I'm not coming out. I'm hiding in the cave. That's it. It's over for me. So, I mean, that's, you can identify with running away, can't you? Identify with being scared. You can identify with not wanting to go out there and be involved. We can identify. He's a man like us. He said, nevertheless, he prayed passionately. Passionate prayer, strong prayer. You raise the level in your prayer. So what about doing something, one, to get consistency in your prayer, two, to begin to raise the passion and the level of it. 
Third thing is persevering prayer. He went out seven times. That's really persevering. He just kept at it and at it and would not quit, which is exactly what Jesus said. I would that men would pray and not quit. Quitting is easy. Staying in prayer takes strength and and confidence that God will honor His words. Staying in prayer is the evidence you really believe God will do something and there's no other place to go but Him. It's absolutely true. There isn't any other place, is there? See? So Daniel, see the other thing to realize, uh, to persevere means literally to maintain your purpose in spite of the delays and obstacles and difficulties. Persevering prayer. Passionate prayer, persevering prayer. Now think about Daniel. Daniel got a clear word from God, but he had to pray for 10 days before he got the breakthrough. So there was a gap between God saying, I'm going to do it, and then it happening, and what was required to bring it about was prayer. Prayer was what brought it out of heaven, past demonic resistance, and into the earth. Same for Elijah. He prayed and prayed and prayed. Then the third thing is this. So number one, passionate prayer. Two, it had to be persevering prayer. Three, faithful prayer. Here's the fourth one here. It was targeted prayer. He didn't go praying about, oh, God bless the people over there, and God bless and help the poor widows over there. He didn't do that. He says, one thing I'm after, rain. Now, when you pray, you should be able to know whether there was an answer or not. So if you pray a general prayer, there's no faith in it. See? It's like if I'm praying for somebody to get healed, they either got healed or they didn't get healed. They got better a little or they didn't get better at all. But if you, But a lot of people... You know, they come up for prayer and you say, what do you want? What do you believe in God for? I don't know. Whatever, just pray whatever God wants me to have. Listen, there's no faith in that at all. That's not faithful prayer. Faithful prayer said, this is what I'm believing God for. This is what the need is. I'm believing God will do this for me. See, so he was believing God would pour out rain. And then he said, oh, yeah, I see a little bit. Nothing to be worried about. It's not really rain. It's a little wee tiny bit of a cloud. You know, you can barely see it. You know, if you look hard, you'll see that little wee spot in the cloud in the distance. He said, lads, get up and run. There's there's going to be an immense amount of rain. He told the king, have a good feed because you're going to go a fast chariot ride now. And, of course, then the rain came, and it literally thundered, and it poured down. And uh, he had to really, the guys all had to go for it because otherwise they'd be trapped on the plain, which is where the plain of Jezreel, where the chariots had to go to the, to the city. He'd have been trapped down there with all the heavy rain, bogged down in the mud. There's a big plain there. And, they, and so it's a long distance he had to go. But notice here, there was this heavy deluge, huge deluge. Now that tells us something else, that breakthroughs start very little, just the littlest indication something's changed tells you a breakthrough. Because sometimes I'm praying for demons or praying for people to be free of demons. I've had them just, you know, nasty glares. We had one young guy and he'd been playing, he'd been playing these violent video games and also games where you play a role play of a sorcerer. And so I saw some people praying for him. I just pointed over to him and said, spirit of witchcraft. And then with that he went like that and he turned and he's Hands all went into claw shape, and then he started to glare at me, and they had to restrain him. He wanted to run and kill me because of the violence and the hate. So we, we prayed for a little bit, and then I just saw just a little movement of the eye, and I knew the demon was bowing down. And I then seized it, pushed in hard, and he's gone. 
So many times breakthroughs are just little things. And it, so focus on what God is doing, what, not he's, what He's not doing. Put your attention on what you see God doing that we can say thank you and encourage. Don't worry about all the things that aren't right and aren't happening. It was one of the biggest adjustments I had to make when I, after I came out of university in physics training was to stop focusing on the things that are wrong, focus on what God is doing, and keep your attention there, and there'll be more of it. Focus on what He didn't do, and you grow into unbelief, and nothing happens at all. So we have to be encouraged by the little. Encouraged by the little. Amen. So let me just finish with just this then. His prayer of intercession for the nation was preceded by something else. See, what positioned him to bring a breakthrough for everyone else was he did something first. Here's what he did. It says in 1 Kings 18, he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. An altar is a place of sacrifice. It's a place of commitment. It's a place of meeting God. It's a place of consecrating your life to God. Lord, I belong to you. You have paid a price for me. It's a place of surrendering to him. And what he did was he rebuilt the altar that was broken down. And then he made an expensive offering on that altar. And it says, God answered him with fire from heaven. Now, no one can produce fire from heaven. There's no smoke machine can produce it. There's no hype can produce it. Fire from heaven is another way the Holy Spirit comes. He ignites a fresh passion in us. I believe we are needing to rebuild the altar again. I believe, first of all, personally, I want to challenge you with your prayer life. Have you got a daily altar, a place and a time you meet with God? If you haven't, you will be dull to the voice of God and won't experience all the things He has for you. You'll be missing the opportunity to commune and fellowship with someone who loves you and can give you perspective in life. You'll be cut off from the life of God. You literally, when you have no altar in your life, you end up, like I was when I was younger, I'd just go to church. And then that's it. Went to church, done my Sunday thing, gone home, did something else. Rather than having a life that is dedicated to a person, Jesus Christ. So, personal altar. Do you need to rebuild a personal altar in your life? Start again to commit to rising and praying. I understand it's not easy. It's like getting fit. If you just stick with it and have a plan for it, and just stick with your plan, you'll break through. You will break through. Second thing, family. I wonder how many families here have a family altar. Or as a family, you come together and read the Word of God and pray. Not some big long prayer meeting or anything like that, but just where the head of the household calls the family to pray and focus on God and hear what God has to say. How can we expect the young generation to walk with God if the primary examples are not doing that? Fathers, you're responsible to build in your household a family altar. 
a time, can be at a meal time or at bedtime, an early morning time, whenever, when you gather the family together and say, we have much to be thankful for. We're going to read from the Word of God, commit our day to the Lord. Of course, if you have an unsaved husband, then the wife and mother can take that role of leading. It may well be he's resistant to that, but you'd be quite surprised if you prayed. He may not be resistant. Just don't be religious and don't draw it out. You keep it simple. Little simple conversation prayer. If there's nothing happening, you can do better than that. We could all do better than that. Now, fathers, you may say, well, I haven't really got much. I, I don't, I'm not really walking so good with God. I don't, I'm really struggling with my personal prayer life. Here's the question. Will you accept responsibility and find out how to grow from that position you're in? Or will you just use it as an excuse not to change? Fathers, the Bible's very clear. Christ is the head of the man like the man is the head of the woman. God expects the man to take up spiritual leadership in the home. Doesn't mean doing it all. Just initiate and make sure things happen. Lead your family in prayer. Pray for your children. Pray for your wife. Simple prayers to bless them. I felt as I was praying that this is a majorly neglected function in many families here. And I encourage you to change that. I encourage you to change it. It's not hard to change. You just got to get the routine going. And husband and wife agree. Look, we'll do it at this time. We'll do it at the same time every day. We had just Ergamai's Bible story book, and we would read it, and then we would pray. Just something. And you are then, as the head of the home or as the parents, covering your children. They're protected from many demonic things because they have praying parents. And then as a church, we need to pray. We need to be praying for a harvest of souls. If you're content not to multiply your faith, then basically all you're doing is maintaining where you're at. The church grows as one generation passes on their faith to another. And the first place is to pray. Now, of course, we can pray and pray this and pray that. This is how you're best to pray. Ask God to show you a few people, put them on your heart, and then pray for them by name daily. Believe for them to be saved. I was in one church, and they've got a target of 300, and they've got this big 300 like you've got there, she, except it's got all these empty light bulb sockets. And every time someone responds that they were praying for, they put a light in the socket, and it lights up. And you can see how far they've got. Brilliant. Very creative. But you can see... Everyone that got saved, there's a light came on in a socket. And you can see they're on their way to their 300. Prayer. Believing prayer. And Jesus said, I would that men would pray and not be discouraged and give up because they didn't get results immediately. Stay at it. Stay at it. If Jesus were to come to your home, dads, would he find you praying? Mums, would he find you praying? Young people, would he find you praying? Would he find prayer in the home? 
If it's not there, that's where it needs to start. Let's make a decision that we will build again the altar of the Lord, which has fallen down. Start little, and let's turn this house into a house of prayer. Jesus said, that's what my house will be, a house of prayer. But by your choices, you've made it something else. So let's make our house a house of prayer. You come into our house, the first thing you'll see, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why don't you close your eyes right now? Father, we thank you. Thank you that you're faithful to us, you love us. And we hear and sense that the atmosphere is changing, that there's a, a move of God about to come. Lord, we sense in our hearts your desire to pour out your Spirit in a new way. And so we come before you and ask for the Spirit of prayer to come upon the house, come upon man and woman and young people. We ask for the Spirit of prayer to come, that prayer will arise and grow and deepen that the altar of the Lord, which has fallen down, will be repaired in every home here. This is what I'd like us to do. I can feel the presence of God here, wanting to touch hearts and lives. And if God spoke to you about repairing the altar of prayer, in light of the fact He wants to pour His Spirit out, why don't you step out of your seat and come to the front and open your heart to the Lord. Just lift your hands and surrender or kneel down or whatever you want to do. But make a decision to respond now. God, I hear you talking to me about rebuilding my prayer altar, about giving myself afresh to you. God, I believe in you speaking about my marriage, about our family. Maybe it's young people. Just come. Let's all stand together and you flow into that song we were singing about Jesus before. Beautiful song. And as you come out, I'll lead you in a prayer. And then we'll come and lay hands that the spirit of prayer would come on you.